hey, it's Ian Altman. Do you want to connect with other people just like you looking to take your expertise and your sales to the next level? Then check out the Same Side Selling Academy. It's all integrity-based. We've got instructional videos. It's a private community in Facebook, so you can share ideas and collaborate with other people. Twice a month, I'll do a Facebook Live addressing specific questions so you can hear the actual language that I believe will help you drive success. And then we'll have extraordinary guests on on a regular basis as well to add additional value. The charter and founding members get a deal and a half, really just appreciating you for asking the questions, suggesting that I offer this stuff, and almost apologetically because it took me so darn long to launch it. So we hope to see you there at the Same Side Selling Academy. Just visit samesidesellingacademy.com or ianaltman.com and you'll see it all there. Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode, what do you get when you take a guy who has his BA from the University of Chicago, his JD from Duke Law School? Well, naturally, you get Tucker Max, a guy who holds the distinction of being only the third writer in history after Malcolm Gladwell and Michael Lewis to ever have three books on the New York Times bestseller list at one time. We're going to talk about his business, Book in a Box, and the biggest mistakes that people make when trying to create a book, who should and who should not create a book, how to get a book done professionally, and kind of the pitfalls to avoid, and how to ensure that you get the goals that matter to you from a book. You're going to learn a ton and probably have a lot of fun listening to Tucker Max. Tucker Max, welcome, buddy. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, brother. Obviously, I've written a couple of books, and you're, you have the rare distinction of, what is it, you and how many other people? Me, Michael Lewis, and Malcolm Gladwell are the only people to ever have three nonfiction books on the New York Times bestseller list at the same time. Yeah. So suffice it to say, you know a thing or two about um, about book publishing, and and your business, Book in a Box, helps people produce books. And a lot of my audience will say, "Well, should I create a book? I mean, should we do that for our business?" And one of the things that I'd like to do is before we dive into what people should do, what are some of the mistakes that people make when they're thinking about publishing or producing a book? Oh man, there's so many. Um, okay. And, so, and by the way, and you can pick on my first book if you want to. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, it's bad. Um, <laughs> uh, not same side selling, upside down selling. That yeah. was your first book. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So the, I think the first problem, uh, let's start with the one that's pretty easy to sort of like dismiss and deal with. So the first problem is most people think they have to, for it to be a quote, real book, they think they have to have a traditional publisher, meaning like Simon & Schuster, HarperCollins, like New York publishing companies. And, you know, like I, I think you could make a really solid argument that that was the case in the 80s and 90s, um, definitely. And then maybe even in the early 2000s. But that ship has sailed. There are uh, like a lot of self-published books on the New York Times bestseller list now, uh, especially for fiction. It's still hard for nonfiction, but fiction, there's a bunch. And, and a lot, most of the real big time fiction writers, at least the, the younger ones, all uh, do their own publishing. And uh, so it, it's kind of coming into to, to nonfiction. 
um, slowly but surely. And so the idea that, that for your book to be taken seriously and for it to be reputable, it has to go through a traditional publisher is just, it's wrong. In fact, like it's funny. I think in fact it's shifted because it used to be if, like if a, if, if a traditional publisher wouldn't publish your book, there were what were called vanity publishers for you to go to and you yeah. had to pay them a bunch of money and then they, they went through the whole song and dance, but like, like you had to pay them and your book never went anywhere and it, ne- it never got into bookstores. Nothing happened. Right. What's funny now is I would actually make the argument that traditional publishing has become vanity publishing. Like it, it's so easy to, to, to do your book yourself and to do it at a super high quality professional um, sort of level that if you feel like you've got to go to Simon and Schuster, the only reason is ego now. Like the only yeah. reason with a few rare exceptions for like some famous people and things like that. The reason is ego. You feel like, well, I, I'm not valid enough to, to put a, my own words out um, on, on my own. I need to have somebody who used to be important say that I'm important. Yeah. You know? that make sense? That's great. Yeah. Okay. So, so the, the first big problem or misconception, they think in order for it to be a real book, they got to go traditional publishing, which just isn't the case anymore. Yep, exactly. Okay. So the next big one is that this is probably the biggest one is that most people, cause like I, you know, when I talk to people, I can get them off that pretty quickly. Um, that traditional is important and they realize, oh yeah, that's right. I've read like I'll start naming books they've read that are self-published like, oh yeah, okay. That's, that, that's fine. So then when I get people start talking about their book, what they start talking about is what they care about with their book, right? And that's not bad. It's not wrong. But here's the thing about a book. For a book to work, for it to be a good book, nothing in the book can be about you. Uh, Now, that doesn't mean – it like now I know it sounds crazy. I made my name writing memoirs, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so but here's what's crazy. If you read all my memoirs, you can read every single word of everything I've written. I've written four books, basically completely about my life. But how much do you actually know about me and my life after reading my four books? Like the the answer is actually very little. Sure. Because my books are inter- my, my books are entertainment. They're not business books. But everything in my books is about entertaining the reader, not about bragging about myself or talking about myself or whatever. Even though the books are about me, that's the weird paradox, right? That's why they sold millions and millions of copies. Is because anyone anywhere uh, could pick it up and read it and connect with it, assuming that like you. You had anything remotely like this, the experiences I had when I was young, drinking, hooking up, acting stupid, right? You're like, oh, yeah, I get it. So that's the same, same thing that's true with business books. Like, so we'll get authors who come to us, and they, they are legit experts. They are really smart. They really know what they're talking about. And then when we start getting them to talk about their book, they just start talking about what they want in their book. And, and it's fine. We let them. But then what we do is we bring them around and say, okay – what are you trying to accomplish with your book? And so, we, you know, they, let's say they want to be a speaker, like they want to be keynoting conferences and, and a book's a great way to get there. So then what we do is we get them to, to, to talk about, okay, the people who are going to be booking you for speeches and the people who are going to be in your audience, what do they care about? What do, what do you know that's valuable to them? Then, they, then the people are like, oh yeah, okay, it's this, this, these four things I know. That's the book. That's yeah. what you have to get to. But so many people have this idea in their head that like a book is 
a book is a, a valid, a socially or professionally validating thing that's about them instead of being about their audience. Yeah, and, and I know that also there's this there's this great concept that a lot of people have, which is, well, how how do I create this book and make sure it makes money? And fortunately, I mean, I've, not to the same level as you, but fortunately, both books that I wrote ended up being profitable books. And they made money after you backed out every expense and production and and everything associated with it, and they're they're profitable books, even though we can pick on upside down selling. But um, but how should people be thinking about a book if they're contemplating doing it? Right. So so this is kind of the next mistake people make, and it's tied a little bit to to the, the number two that I mentioned that uh, about they think about themselves and not the audience. Yep. So um it so. Here's, here's the thing. Let me take a step back. The narrative that most people have in their head about books is informed by professional writers. So like someone like I used to be or Malcolm Gladwell or Tim Ferriss, those people, their job is to come up with ideas that appeal to a lot of people. And then they make their money by selling lots of copies to lots of people. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. But that, is, uh, that model is applicable to a tiny portion of people who write books. Most of your audience, and I think you fall into this category um, very much so, most of your audience and you should be writing a book not to sell copies of the book, but to use the book as a multi-purpose marketing tool for other things. Now, if you sell copies... Uh, that's amazing. And if you made your money back just on copy sales, that's great. And that's you should think of that like a bonus, right? That's like marketing that pays for itself is always Absolutely. awesome. Absolutely. But my guess is you probably made way more money from consulting and speaking off your book than you have book sales. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like what would you say? A factor of 10 at or least. more? At least. At least, yeah. Probably 20 even. Yeah. 10, uh, we 20 have, to 30, yeah. Easily. We, we have at least. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I had a hard time keeping count now because we got like almost 600 authors that we work with. But I would say close to a dozen have made more than a million dollars directly attributable to their books. Yeah. You know, and these are people who, you know, wealth managers or high end real estate people, people who kind of work in fields where they, where they do multimillion dollar deals. But like, you know, a book, if a book gets them one multimillion dollar deal, it's a hundred or a thousand X paid for its itself. Exactly. You know? So that's the thing that the, uh, the book is not the goal. The, the book is the way you get to the goal. So you've got to identify the goal. That's the mistake people make. They think the book's the goal. Yeah, and it's funny. I've actually spoken with some clients where I say, wow, you guys do a great job in the staffing business. Have, has, has your CEO ever thought about writing a book about, you know, here are the big mistakes when people are hiring the types of people that you put out there? I said, yeah, I don't know how many copies we would sell. And I'm like, well, it doesn't matter if you sold if you sold no copies, but your business card is dramatically better. Now, you know, I, I always joke about same-side selling that all the best parts were written by my co-author, Jack, and uh, he was nice enough to include me. Jack would probably argue the opposite, but – you know, we we had a we had a specific purpose, which was much more about look, we want to change the way the world perceives selling and buying, and we had this great noble cause. But it wasn't like our business or my business success was dependent upon how many books we sold. We just wanted to impact as many people. And fortunately, you know, my my standard is hey, once you get past ten thousand copies, you got something real. 
It's book sales, absolutely. But yeah. let me even go further, dude. I can think of three off the top of my head. Three of our authors that have done um, millions uh, in profit off of the book who literally have never sold a copy. Instead, their strategy is to give it away. Or they've yeah. sold 20 copies or 100 copies or whatever, 500, some tiny nominal sum. But their strategy is to give the book away. I'll give you a great example, actually. So one of our clients is a financial, he's a, he's a wealth manager. And um, he specializes in high net worth divorced women, right? So women that are, I think, high net worth is like 50 million and above. That's his main client base. And so he wrote a book uh, about uh, how high net worth divorced women should be managing their money. And of course, like the, the funny trick about it is 80% of the advice is the same for anybody. It's the other 20% that's, that, that's different, sure. that's really important to them. So here's what's, you know what's crazy? This dude is actually pretty smart. He actually paid us our full fee, right? Went through our process. He um, asked us or you know, uh, told us not to publish the book on Amazon. Like he actually didn't <laughs> want it for sale. And I was like, well, uh, okay, can you explain your, your sort of reasoning to me? And it was, it was brilliant, I have to admit. I, I got kind of upset that I hadn't thought of it myself. He's like, yeah, of course. So he ordered hardcover, like he got the full package. Yeah. And we shipped like 5,000 or 10,000 hardcovers to his office, but he didn't want these for sale on book sites or in bookstores. <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah, dude, he lives in Phoenix. He's like, I'm literally gonna have my assistant or me, we're gonna drive around to every single divorce attorney uh, in Phoenix and then Arizona and then the Southwest, either drive around or, or mail hand, them. And hand them a case of books. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because every high-end divorce attorney, uh, the, first, the first question is legal stuff for, from women. The second question is money. And by law, the attorney cannot give them legal advice and cannot take a fee from referring them to people. So like the attorney basically has to sit there and look like a dummy. And so what this guy is doing is the, the attorneys love this because it's a good book and it looks super professional and it actually – it's not just an advertisement for him. He tells them exactly what to do, exactly what he does, exactly yeah. to, to the letter. And the attorneys love it because they feel like they're giving something to their clients that is real value. Sure. He's, he's done that. I think he, he quote published or he finished six months ago. I think he's he has signed – last time I talked to him, it was six clients. He estimates that every client is worth about half a million dollars to them to him over the course of their uh, uh, life, uh, depending on uh, right. His his average is half million dollar lifetime value of customer. Um, I, I think that's for his entry level, that's which brilliant. is whatever it is twenty twenty million or fifty million. Yeah. And one of the, one of the things I want to make sure our audience picks up on is this: is that it's it's not a gimmick. It's not like it's not like there isn't serious real content in same side selling. It's not like your client didn't put real serious content that tells people exactly how to do stuff. I think a lot of times people think, Oh, well I'm going to create this book, but I can't give them all the answers. Here's the funny part. Do you know how many people contact me and say, so I got same side selling and then we bought it for our executive team. And now we've got, you know, 300 copies for everybody in the company can you come out and present all the concepts to us at this event? I mean, yeah. they, they've read the whole book, but they want to see it in person. Well, yeah, dude, I, I could, that's another, uh, it's kind of funny. You're stepping on all my flaws. People make these things. <laughs> <laughs> that's the next one is people think not just they have to make money from book sales, but they, 
they have to hide their knowledge and they have to make it promotional. When what we do, and we are emphatic about this with our clients, we say, no, you, you have to go the other way. Um, and, and it's funny, you're an example I use a lot of times. Like I bought, you know, I, I bought same size selling a couple of them from my sales team and like the little cards you gave me and everything. Yep. And like, like not to be rude, but like you put everything in the book. I don't need to fly you out, man. Like if I have to fly you out, then I, like, I feel like I didn't read the book. But if I had a 300 person sales team, I would definitely fly you out and I would definitely have you spit, but like I would have my team do scenarios with you and I would have a full day for whatever you charge, 25, 50 grand or more. And, and then I would have you there giving the instruction because they're probably going to listen to you more than they're going to listen to me. Um, oh yeah, dude, a hundred percent. Absolutely. Your book, I mean, I've read your book, your book. I, I don't think you leave anything out. Yeah, you know what? Really the, only, the only thing that's not in the book, and it's only because we thought about it later, and we're probably going to relaunch the book, is the same side quadrants aren't in the book, not for act of um, of intentional omission. It was just as I was sitting with a client about six months after the book launch, and they said, "Well, I don't understand. Like, how do we keep track of what we're doing in a meeting?" And I said, "Look, just there's four key pieces of information. So draw a vertical line down the page, horizontal line across." And there's use this for note taking. I looked at the sheet of paper and went, Oh my God, <laughs> like that's it. Yeah. Like, why isn't that in the book? And so we'll probably relaunch the book with that in it because I feel like it's a key piece for people to have success. Yep, exactly. And so let me explain just in case any of your audience is not understanding why, uh, because like I kind of made, some of them might be thinking I made the argument against it because I'm like, Oh, we didn't hire you. It's all in your book. Right. Um, so here's, here's the, the case why, um, uh, the, the, the high net worth divorce attorney is a great example. Every woman, and he was the one who was reticent for putting stuff in there and I, we convinced him to put it in and he's, uh, like since told us, Oh, you guys are geniuses. How did you know this? And we're like, dude, we, we better know what we're doing in our own business. It's really obvious. But every, every single woman that he has signed in whatever it is, five or six as a client told him that they took a meeting with him and are going with him because uh, his book was so brilliant and showed them so clearly what he would be like as an advisor and what he would do that they uh, – that's the only reason they did it. Because like, like if the book had been – if it had less information, they would not have trusted him enough to even take the meeting. Yeah. It's a, it's absolutely it. I mean, it's and, and I will tell you that when I started this business, all, all the other people in the quote sales industry, their whole model is, well, we identify what the problems are, but we never tell people what the solutions are because if we told them what the solutions were, they wouldn't hire us. And I came out of the shoot and said, no, that's just wrong. I'm going to tell people exactly here's what the problem is and here's how to solve it. And people said, oh, you're giving money away. And and people would say wow, your solution was so dead on. Can you come out and work with my team? Yep. And, and it worked that way. So, so let's say people say, all right, so now I understand why I should create a book. I understand that I have to make sure that it's not about me, but it's instead about my audience and what does the audience care about? And I got to know what my goal is for the book because it's usually not to sell a gazillion copies, but it's more to establish your expertise and don't hide your knowledge. Make sure you're putting it out there. So, Let's say people buy into that. What prevents them from creating a decent book on their own? So there's two main things that stops people who get like because that's that's pretty much 
I would bet the bulk of your client or your listeners at least think they should write a book, even if they haven't articulated all the things you just said. And there's generally two things that stop people. There are the rational reasons and then there are the irrational reasons. So let's start with the rational ones. Those are easier to deal with. The, the rational ones are I don't have the time or I don't know how to do it, right? And, and I'm actually – I used to be the people who said I don't have the time or I don't know how to do it. I used to be very judgmental and, 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 and lecturing about that like, oh, you have to make the time and oh, you know, blah, 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 all the hard work, nonsense narrative. And, um, and until this entrepreneur at an entrepreneur event called me out and she's like, why are you here? Entrepreneurs solve problems. They don't lecture people about hard work. And I was like, oh, she was 100% right. And that's actually what led to the company starting because she wanted to write a book. But you know, people have been asking her to write a book to put her wisdom into a book for a decade. And she's like, I'm not going to sit at a computer for a year. I have a family and a business. There's got yeah. to be a better way to get this out of my head. And so, th so that's how we figure out Book in a Box, right? So, I mean, we have a way to get it out of your head. Uh, you can, it's, our book is on Book in a Box uh, on Amazon. It's called The Book in a Box Method. You can hire us. You can hire other people. There are other companies who do things similar enough to us where uh, like, they're ghostwriters, basically. We're not ghostwriters, uh, but this, it's the same basic idea. Someone is guiding you through the process. I want to highlight something that you guys do because, um, because you probably don't feel comfortable saying it, but one of the things that I think is genius in how you guys do it is you've hired not only professional writers – but also journalists and people know how to interview and your team has captured a way to get the quote author's voice into the book. Yeah. So it doesn't right. sound like someone else wrote it. It sounds like you just spoke it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the, um, that's the difference between ghostwriting and what we do. So a ghostwriter will even a good ghostwriter, which should, by the way, just in case any of your audience are looking to hire a ghostwriter, you should be spending probably at least 50 grand. You might be able to find a good one for 35 or 40, 45 if they're desperate for work. But the, the good ones are between 50 and 100. Uh, the great ones are, are over that. But the good ones are 50 to 100. And, and the good ones are going to interview you. Like they're going to talk to you. They're going to, you know, they might even do 10, 15 hours of interviews. But what they're going to do is write their version of your book. And it might be good, it might not. Like, you know, the good yeah. ones will generally do a good job, but if they're not connecting with your material, maybe they do, maybe they don't. And they don't really have a, a specific process, they just have their way of doing things. So what we kind of did is we st stood all that on its head. Zach and I, my co-founder, basically figured out a way to processize um, uh, the, the, the creation of books. And so instead of relying on a ghostwriter, we, we have an interview process that, that first positions your book, then outlines it, then we interview you, we record all that, we transcribe it, and then we, we edit that transcription into book prose that's in your, your voice. So what you end up with is a book that is your, completely your ideas, but is structured at properly and outlined properly. It's completely your words because we're not, you know, we're not bringing anything in. We don't know anything about sales or insurance or mortgage brokering or whatever. And it is in your voice because you are literally speaking it. Our job is just to make sure that when it when it's read on the page, it reads well. It doesn't have to read like a speech. That's totally different. Like a transcript sure. is a different thing. But we make it, it – if we do our job right, someone should read the book and be like, oh, yeah, that sounds exactly like Ian. It feels like – it doesn't have to say Ian's talking to me, but it just – it feels like Ian. Yep. You know? And just so people know, 
Book in a Box didn't do same side selling, but if I was going to do a book again, I'd probably have Tucker's guys handle it because end to end, you guys have the whole thing turnkey where, yep. I mean, the, your, typo, your typical author, someone says, I want to create a book. I mean, when we did same side selling from the time we started, the time we finished was a solid 18 to 24 months Oof. from from beginning to end. And you guys do that in how long? Six to nine, yes. depending on the author. Exactly. So, um, and keep in mind, with a co-author, there was a lot of making sure we had consistent voice. And and to your point, we hired um, we hired Seth Godin's editor. We hired. I mean, we we spent a small fortune on this stuff. And it's funny because I remember at one point I introduced her to uh, to another author, and they said, "Well, wow, that was going to be really expensive." And I said, "Well." do you want someone who does a great job editing or do you want the <laughs> cheapest editor? Like it's all about the editing. Yeah. That's not where you want to save money. <laughs> so, so you said that the key obstacles, the rational ones are time and know-how. Yes. And time then, and expertise. And then, and then irrational. Yeah. So here's, it's funny, man. Ian, when I, when I started my company, I thought like our, all of our marketing was, Basically, the value that we provide is we save you a ton of time, which is true, and we provide amazing expertise for, for very cheap relative to the, the, the quality, and that's also true. And that, like, th those are the rational reasons that people convince themselves that they use us. What I've realized is not actually why – it's not the biggest value we provide. The biggest value we provide, and we've had to learn how to get really good at this, is helping people get past their fears when it comes to a book. So there's a couple of big ones. The big one is what if – there's two big ones, I guess, and they're kind of tied up. What if I look stupid? What if no one cares, right? And so the way that we've come, we come – we never like bring it up directly with people because you know some people are very emotionally centered and connected and other people aren't. And, and so, so we don't necessarily bring it, up, bring it up. Here's why you won't look stupid. But the way we bring up what if no one cares is we really focus early on. In fact, it's literally the first call is nailing exactly who the audience is. Yep. It, like, so if you know, you're, and what we really try and do is, is niche people down. So instead of like um, writing a book about, let's just say sales and like a general sales book, for most people, we're going to try – you would be different. But for most people, if they're a sales coach, like we'll be like, okay, who do you coach? And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty much all B2B tech company. Okay, let's have your book be B2B tech company sales as opposed to general sales. And people are like, well, I, like their instinct, they're thinking like a, like a professional writer is, well, but don't I want to talk to as many people as possible? And the answer is yes if you want to sell copies. But the answer is no if you want to hit your audience and get – get speaking and consulting because oh, yeah. like you can be the expert for B2B tech company sales. You probably can't be the expert for just sales. Yeah. And there's a, there's a small, there's a very small population of those of us who have that wider appeal of sales. And I will tell you that we've, we've actually thought about, geez, should we have same side selling for professional services, same side selling for this, for this, for that, which basically is you and I would know the same thing. It's the same book. It's just some of the examples will be a little bit more specific. Exactly. Yep. Mm -hmm. But it makes so, it, it makes it resonate better for that audience. And and the big thing that I want to get back to for people is, look, it's this isn't about how do I sell ten thousand, a hundred thousand, a million copies of a book. It's more look if the people who are your ideal client understand your thinking and say, wow. 
these people get me. These people totally get it. They could help our business dramatically. If it costs you $30,000 to have that impact, what you have to ask yourself is, okay, is one client because of that worth at least 30000 And if we think we can get one client a quarter because of that, why wouldn't you have a book about that niche subject? Yep, exactly. Yeah. But, but again, it's, it's the sort of, this gets back to fear is like you can rationally make this argument and not everyone has these fears. The people who look at a book as a marketing tool don't have this issue. There, there are people though, a lot of people think about the cultural significance a book holds in our society. It's pretty high. I mean, like think about the fact that the New York times has a bestseller list and any given week, the number one book on that list for nonfiction sells 15,000 copies. Yeah. Like that's nothing. Yeah. I mean, compared to like movies or, or TV or sports, I mean, you have millions of people watching preseason football games, but the number one best-selling book in the country is selling 15, 20, not even enough books to fill up a third of the stadium. Yeah. You know? Oh, like, yeah. Absolutely. No, it's, books it's, are considered a big deal. It's absolutely a crazy thing to see and you know it, it just it's the notion i also think it's funny and this may be something that people don't realize if you're in a very narrow niche you can be number one in amazon in that category for like for an years. eternity so yes. so my my co-author jack we often joke about the fact that so same side selling was number one in sales and selling in sales and marketing and a bunch of categories for a while when we launched the book so it did really well in broad categories but Jack also has a book that um, called is two books. One called "How Smart Companies Save Money" and one called "Expensive Sentences." And I forget which book it was, but one of the books it came out. All of a sudden, I look. I said, "Oh my god, Jack! Like you're number one in that category." And he was for like an entire month straight. And I said, "Man, how many? Just tell me how many books did you sell?" A hundred. Keep in mind he. It was less than a hundred books. He was the number one book in that category for over a month. Now, since then, I know that his books have done quite well and sold a bunch. But when initially launched, it was like you know, it, it was like a tree falling in the forest. Like no one even heard about it. But man, if you're in a tight niche, so that notion of I want to be a general sales book. Guess what? There's a lot of copies of sales books going out there. But if you're in purchasing and procurement. There aren't a lot of books in that category, and there aren't a lot of books being purchased in that category because rarely does an organization have an 800-person purchasing group, but they usually have an 800-person sales organization. But again, we're, we're talking about rational stuff, right? Yeah. I'm talking about irrational. Yeah. So like, like, like the, the other big one – so, so the, the, like we said, the big one is, do I have an audience or not, right? Yep. And so, so we, we, we do exactly what you talked about. We niche people down till we know, until they know for a fact, oh, yeah, I actually have a consultancy. I consult with these people. There, I'll give you a great example. There's a dude, Dustin Woodhouse, one of our first clients. He wanted to do, came to us thinking he was going to do this massive book about real estate investing. Like a big, and, and like that's a, you want to talk about a crowded field, my God. And uh, eventually, we, but his biggest fear was no one was going to care about his book. And, and we were like, look, Dustin, you're right. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> there, if you're in a category where there are two or three classic books and there are in, his, in real estate, you're, you need to find a new category. 
it's just, I mean, it could be a subcategory of real estate, but you need to find a new category. And we eventually kind of like talked with him. Turns out he is like a big deal for mortgage brokers in Canada. And so we eventually convinced him to be like, to write the definitive book for mortgage brokers in Canada. And he's like, dude, there's only 3,000 mortgage brokers in Canada. And we're like, okay, but Dustin, what if you were their Tony Robbins? Yeah. What if you were, or their Malcolm Gladwell? What if you were the guy for those 3,000 people? He's like, oh, that would be amazing. Cause like his company trains mortgage brokers. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, dude. Okay, like, but he still had it in his head that he had to like write a big book on real estate. But all he really needed to do was be a baller to three thousand people. Which, P.S. He is now. Yep. He is the alpha dog for Canadian mortgage brokers. And, and you know what? It's a great story. That is, it's the I forget I forget who gets the gets the credit for this, but the riches are in the niches. So it's all you know. If you become the, the the best things in sliced bread in a narrow niche, everyone knows you. And it's really hard to create that same name elsewhere. I mean, I'm still blown away to this day when I meet somebody random and I introduce myself and like, oh, you wrote Same Side Selling. I mean, that to me is like the most flattering thing in the world that someone I don't know knows me by the book. Like that's yeah. pretty cool. But you and I would both agree that's I'm pretty fortunate. That's pretty rare. And, and keep in mind, it doesn't happen every week. It doesn't happen every month. But when it happens, I, I write it down. <laughs> yeah, I would too. I know because it doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, so, so let me let me ask you this because I want to I want to wrap with this, which is, so, who shouldn't write a book? I would say the best answer to this is people who don't have anything valuable for other people to learn. So yeah. if you if you don't have anything to teach people, then you shouldn't write a book. Uh, yeah. Now now uh, I mean I'm talking about a business context. If you feel like you have an amazing story to tell, that becomes a little different. Sure. Um, but I would tell people honestly if you like it's really and I'm saying as someone who did it, it is extremely hard to write. First of all, it's hard to write a memoir and writing a successful memoir. Because that, that's kind of defined in a lot of ways by sales. It doesn't have to be. You can have speaking or other things. It's still extremely difficult. And so I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying if you're going to write a memoir, the goal needs to be something personal. You know, like we have a, yeah. we have a lot of big CEOs doing memoirs with us. And uh, I would say half of them, like they'll say, look, I get that probably no one's going to care. I'm writing this because I want my family and my executive team and my company to know where I come from, came from and who I am. And if that's all I get, I'll be happy. I'm like, great, perfect. Like yeah. those, that, that, that's I love, I love the best memoir that no one cares about that's ever been produced. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> the, the, it, it, as long as they know the only people who are going to care are people who know them personally. If they're cool with that, then great. Now we've had some memoirs that have like blown up and done really well, sure. but that always needs to be your goal writing a memoir or your expectation is that only people who I know personally will care. But for business, the people, like, it's really simple. Do people either pay you for what you know, or do they constantly ask you to teach them what you know? If the answer is yes, you probably have a book in you. If the answer is no, you probably don't. Yep. And I will tell you that your process, I happen to know just from having, from having gone through on my own, writing a, writing a book, you know, co-writing it with somebody, 
paying for the editors, the layout, all that kind of stuff. What you guys charge turnkey is less than what it cost me to produce the book myself. Oh, that's the goal. That's our goal, yeah. man. But I'm just saying, when people see, because they look and say, oh, well, gee, here's what it costs to do it. I'm just telling you right now, you might think that on your own you can do it for less, but you can't, and it's not going to look as professional as when you guys do it, and that just happens to be a fact. So um, I think that people can uh, can get a lot from you. Hey, Tucker, what's the best way for people to learn more about what you guys are doing at Book in a Box and how to reach you? Uh, yeah, so um, bookinabox.com is a pretty pretty comprehensive site. Uh, it's just the, just the name.com, bookinabox.com. Got videos, all this stuff. It, it explains it pretty well. The prices on there, everything. Um, and then if you someone for some reason wants to email me, you just tucker at bookinabox.com. Awesome, man. Well, you know what? Thanks for uh, thanks for sharing so much knowledge on this. I mean, and 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 just so that people understand, how many how many books have you guys produced? We have we just signed. I think we're about to sign client number six hundred. It'll probably be next month. So close to six hundred clients. Uh, we have two hundred that are done and out, and then I guess about around another four hundred that are still in process. Yeah, and um, and as someone who's gone through this process, um, if you want to do it, and you want to do it quickly. Um, you guys are a great resource for that. So, hey, man, enjoyed hanging out with you, and thanks for uh, sharing all your knowledge. Definitely. Thank you, brother. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key things I think you can take away and use from Tucker right away. First, read their book, Book in a Box. It's really insightful, and they spell out all the steps that you can take on your own. I will tell you that it'll cost less having them do it, but it really paints a good picture of what's involved in producing a book, Having gone through it, I think it does a really accurate depiction. So here are the quick takeaways that you can use. First, you no longer need to go traditional publishing to end up with a real book. It doesn't matter what you think. Instead, you want to think about what your audience is looking for. And you need to make sure that when you're trying to rationalize why you can't write a book, separate the rational from irrational arguments. And it's usually not about selling a bunch of books that generate revenue for you, but instead Imagine if you're in the staffing firm and you have the definitive book on staffing for your niche market. Or if you're an attorney and you write a book about the type of law you practice, you can really stand out. Remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If there's a topic you want me to cover or a guest you think I should have on the show, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. And thanks again for those of you who take the time. There's been a bunch of new reviews on Amazon for Same Side Selling. And just a quick shout out to those people. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, even your client.